Chapter 15 of the Outdoor Chums in the Big Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Chums in the Big Woods by Captain Quincy Allen. Chapter 15 A Cook Stampede. Why, it isn't a deer at all, cried Will. Looks like that boy on the train. What's his name? Teddy, exclaimed the sharp-eyed bluff. A minute later he saw that his guess was a good one, as the bearers of the litter set it down before the cabin door. Whatever has happened to him, Jerry? I hope you didn't mistake him for a deer and shoot him in the leg, bluff burst out, for he had already discovered that the boy's left limb was bound up in some rude fashion. At that Jerry hardly knew whether to look indignant or to laugh. Well, I hope I can tell a deer better than to take a boy for one, he remarked, though I know lots of people are shot every year in the woods all over the country, just because hunters will dress in brown khaki or corduroy. But it happens that poor Teddy got his leg into a bear trap, you see. Of course, that aroused the curiosity of the two stay-at-homes more than ever. Tell us about it, won't you? they pleaded. Hold on a bit till we get Teddy settled in that rustic chair by the fire. He's nearly frozen, I want you to know. Jerry announced. Between them they carried the injured boy indoors. I hope I'll be able to stand on both my feet in a day or two, Teddy said, although he hated to put them to such trouble. But it's mighty nice the way you're treating me, and after Bill showed himself so nasty mean. It was Frank's intention to go at the wound again with warm water, and then use some lotion he always carried for just such purposes. A cut made by the jaws of that rusty old trap might bring on blood poisoning unless it were taken in hand properly and thoroughly cleansed. Jerry was capable of doing all the talking necessary, while Frank set to work at his task. We ran on Teddy by accident, the former explained. First thing we knew we were listening to somebody calling for help. We followed it up and came on him. The old trap was set by a fur farmer that got a place four miles from here, and for one I'm real glad it's that far, because it's skunks he raises. Huh, that's interesting, commented Bluff. You'd think it was highly interesting, if ever you meandered that way, Jerry assured him. Well, we took Teddy to the farm, where he was heading at the time, having cleared out from his uncle's camp, you see. Jerry touched his cheek just under the right eye, and in that way called the attention of Will and Bluff to the discolored mark the other boy was carrying. They both nodded their heads, as though understanding what he meant. How did it come that you thought best not to leave him there? asked Will. Nobody home, Jerry chirped. House shut up, and old man skipped to town. Teddy said he hinted about going down to have some sort of an operation performed. Don't blame him for seizing the first chance he got to clear out. You would, too, if you ever visited there. And does Frank mean to keep Teddy here with us? asked Bluff in a low tone, so the wounded boy might not catch what he was saying. Don't just know what we'll have to do about it, Jerry replied, looking as though he felt of considerable importance since he had shared in the adventure. A whole lot depends on how he feels tomorrow. You see, he's lit out from Nackerson's camp and don't want to go back, but he may have to yet and stand the racket the best way possible. All of them felt sorry for Teddy. At the same time, that did not mean to take him in with them and have what Bluff said would be a fifth wheel to the wagon when just four were needed to make it complete. If it came down to a necessity, 
Doubtless every one of the outdoor chums would have voted to make room for the boy. That mark under his eye told what a brute Nackerson must be. If once Teddy could get safely back home, he would never be tempted to start out into the woods to serve as a cook for a party of sportsmen. There was plenty of time to get the partridges ready and a fire made in the hole dug in the ground as on that former occasion. The memory of that delightful treat seemed to haunt all the boys so that they yearned for a second. Of course, during the afternoon, the boys were in and out a great deal. Teddy always seized the chance to have a few friendly words with whoever came near him. He evinced the liveliest interest in all they were doing, and pleased Will by asking many questions concerning his method of taking night pictures with his flashlight. If I only get better soon, and you don't chase me back to that camp again, Teddy said with a sigh, I'd like nothing better than to do your cooking right along, and then maybe some night you'd let me go with you into the woods where you set your picture trap. I'd be only too glad to help you any way I might. That set Will to thinking. He tried to picture the discomforts which the poor fellow must have been up against, forced to obey the slightest whim of such a bad-tempered man as Bill Nackerson. If the latter would sink so low as to strike the boy, he might do even worse. "'I guess it's up to us to house Teddy the rest of the time we're here,' Will said to Bluff as they worked at getting more firewood close to the cabin, so as to always have a fair supply handy in case a snowstorm settled in. Bluff frowned and shook his head dubiously. Evidently he too had been thinking about that same subject, and somehow it failed to appeal as strongly to him as to the more tender-hearted Will. It was past the middle of the afternoon when this talk occurred. Frank and Jerry were busy elsewhere. I don't know about that, Bluff remarked. In the first place, we've got just four bunks, which is one apiece. While I was willing to give mine up to Mr. Darrell, I'd seriously object to being turned out by a boy, and Nackerson's boy at that. No need of that, Will rejoined. If he stayed, he'd be only too glad to sleep on that floor cot you had. Besides, he says he's a good cook, and would take that job on his shoulders. You know, some of us sometimes hate to have to work at getting the grub ready. Yes, I guess we do, Will, admitted Bluff, who could remember lots of occasions when he served only through a sense of duty, and not because he was fond of getting meals. And then besides, continued Will, seeing that his argument was beginning to tell, as Bluff showed signs of cooling down, what if we made him go back to Nackerson, and anything happened to him? We wouldn't ever be able to forgive ourselves. He certainly is in a bad box, muttered Bluff. Put yourself in his place if you can, Bluff, and see how you'd feel about it, that's all, continued Will. But then I ought to know you too well to think that you'd send a chap adrift, when we could give him a shelter and three square meals a day, just as easy as say so. Let Frank decide it, Bluff said at last in desperation. Whatever he settles on, the rest of us'll agree to stand for. Frank knows best what to do, and there'll be no kick coming, whatever he says. Will went away satisfied that Teddy would stay. Bluff was generally the obstreperous one, and if he could be induced to shift all responsibility onto Frank's shoulders, there was little more to say. It may have been half an hour after this talk that the boys heard a shout off in the woods in the direction of Lumber Run Camp. "'Wonder what's going to strike us now,' remarked Jerry, who had been cleaning his gun and had just reloaded its magazine. At the time he was sitting by the fire, but so warm did it feel inside the cabin that they had left the door part way open. 
Bluff was already reaching for his gun. There was a look on his face that could be hardly called one of alarm. At the same time, it seemed to speak of excitement. Perhaps that crowd is coming over again to bulldoze us, he suggested. Oh, I hope not, said Will, at the same time thinking it's his duty to look for his gun, which he had not fired since arriving in the big woods. Come outdoors, fellows, they heard Frank say, for at the time it happened he was busying himself at something in the open and had his gun handy. All of them came together not far from the door. This time there was no lack of firearms in evidence. They had taken warning from that other occasion when caught in an almost helpless condition by the Nackerson crowd. Two men coming this way, announced Frank presently. That must mean Bill and one of his pals, muttered Bluff, as he began to fumble with his pump gun, so as to make sure it was in working order. How had we better string out to receive him, Frank? It won't do to keep in a bunch here. Hadn't I better slip along and be ready to come up on their right flank? Better hold your horses a while, Bluff, advised Frank, with a laugh, because, after all, it isn't the Nackerson crowd. But who else can they be? the other demanded. Of course, I don't know for sure, Frank informed him. But it strikes me one of the men looks like the cook they had at Lumber Run Camp. Gee whiz, but there seems to be an awful lot of cooks broken loose lately, Bluff complained, having in mind what Will had suggested with reference to Teddy. It must be catching like the measles, this running away from the stewpans and flapjack fixings. But let him come on, we can stand for nearly anything. The two men came up, and Frank saw there was nothing to be feared from that source. The idea had already flashed through his mind that possibly Mr. Darrell may have sent a message by them. He hoped the lumberman was not ill or anything like that. I'm on my way out with the cook, one of the men explained. You see, his wife has sent word to him to come home right away. I expect to fetch another mess cook along back with me to stay the winter out. And seeing as we expected to come by not far from your place here, the boss, he says, says he, just drop in and hand the boys this communication from me. Reckon it explains itself, boys, so we'll be going, because the cook is fair wild to get home. Twins is an event in his family that ain't never happened before. The two men hurried away even while Frank was opening the paper that had been placed in his hand. Read it out loud, please, Frank, so the whole of us can get a grip on what he's written to you, suggested Jerry. Listen, then, said Frank who had shown signs of some little excitement. This is to inform you, dear boys, that last night a sneaking incendiary tried to burn us out at Lumber Run Camp. The damage didn't amount to much, but I'm offering a hundred-dollar reward for information that will convict the miserable wretch who started that fire. A word to the wise is sufficient. Samuel Darrell End of Chapter 15